There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. When you think about running through the tee at Nayland Stadium for the first time this Saturday, does that give you a little bit of chicken skin? <laughs> a little bit of what? A chicken skin, you know. You know what I'm making reference to when I say chicken skin? You're a southern boy. You got no idea. It. They're bunched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, evening time, dinner time, fourth meal time, recruiting time. Basketball still the opposite of winless time whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio recording this on a Wednesday night. We don't usually record in the evening, but we're going to we're gonna do that this week because we had to. We're going to drop it on a Thursday morning. So happy Thursday morning to all of you, even though it is Wednesday night as we're recording this. National Signing Day is the reason for that, obviously. Tennessee wrapped up a pretty strong close, I would say, to the 2019 recruiting cycle. Good news, Tennessee ranked 12th in 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. Bad news, that's 7th in the SEC. So, good news and bad news, but that's life in the SEC, I suppose. Guys, uh, I guess first off, I should say that since it's an evening podcast for us to record it, Normally we record it, obviously, in the, in the morning. But since we're recording this one in the evening, that means that it is Beer 30 time on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Good evening, everyone. He actually is drinking beer. I will, I will vouch for that. Hey, we're adults here, are we not? I told you I should have brought some of the Lagavulin that I bought the other night. Hey, at 24-7 Sports Headquarters. Shout out to Ron Swanson. Every year, every year, our dear beloved boss, Shannon Terry, has like a full spread for the crew. There in the office, as soon as National Signing Day, it like brings in like all these, like uh, all this nice food, these good beverages, and everything. And, and you know, I'm not complaining because hey, I love living where we live. I think we're in one of the best college towns in America. Uh, but since we are not working at Company HQ, that means we don't get the spread. So instead, we get this uh, delicious microbrew that I will not mention publicly because they do not sponsor the Go Voss 24/7 podcast. So uh, congratulations to this uh, local Michigan brewing company that I will not mention. But guys, Tennessee's recruiting class going into Wednesday. A couple of big fish still out there. And Tennessee hovering right there closer to 20 than, than 10 in the national rankings. And I don't want to say people are freaking out, but uh, there's some consternation there. Uh, so what does Tennessee go out there and do? Boom, big finish. Goes out there and gets a four-star just great prospect, uh, Henry Toa Toa, the uh, linebacker from California. Also, as expected, Tennessee lands five-star offensive lineman, five-star offensive tackle, Darnell Wright from Huntington, West Virginia, uh, which is why Grant Ramey's worthless behind is not here in studio because he was 
in West Virginia for that ceremony, currently driving back Shame, to Knoxville. Shameless plug. Read read his coverage from up there. It's some good stuff. It is some good stuff. Uh, talking to Darnell and his coach. Um, wait, wait, wait. Good for Ramey or just good overall? Good for our site. I mean, it's it's okay work for him. He's he's an he's an okay he's an okay worker. Enough. Yeah. Get you through. Clocks in, clocks Adequate, out. Yes. Gives you a good shift. You know, um, puts in some good work. Guys, you need on the roster. So he, he's already got. Uh, he had video of the announcement. He had video, I think, of uh, of Wright making his decision uh, and Wright talking about his decision, uh, talking with his high school coach up there in Huntington, West Virginia. Um, and I think he'll have home some of more, We Are Marshall. I think he'll have some more stuff from uh, from Wright to talking. Uh, just about his decision and some of the class and all those things too. So, uh, and if and if we're being honest, if there was any of the four of us that we would send to West Virginia, yes, it would be Country Roads Grammy himself. It was That's only true, fitting who has a has a passion for that state that he will have to explain it every time. The other thing that I want to point out, well, is no, the, the no, the, here's the spoiler alert. One of his best friends growing up uh, was from a family of West Virginia fans and was were big West Virginia fans. So he kind of adopted West Virginia growing up too, and so. Hence his love for all things Mountaineers. The, the other uh, thing I want to point out is uh, the tragedy um, that we did not get to hear Jeremy Pruitt try to say Henry Toto his last name. It, it was it, it uh, honestly it ruined my day. It ruined because, this day. For um, me. Toto had made his announcement around left for three three fifteen three thirty yeah. around that time uh, on ESPNU or maybe it was ESPN two. I can't remember. It was ESPNU um, and. Uh, and Tennessee did not announce him until I think just a little bit before 8 p.m. Eastern time. So there was mm-hmm. a gap there, and and people were wondering, you know, did his did his letter of intent get lost? Did his parent run <laughs> off with it? <laughs> yeah, is there something fishy going on here? Uh, I don't think there was anything fishy going on. I think uh, we were talking about this that after his announcement, he probably had to do a bunch of interviews, and then at some point maybe he had to go to class, and you know he's out in California, so it's three hours behind us. Bro, he's top 50 overall prospect. Um, he ain't got to go to class. Yeah, it's De La Salle. It's a it's a nice school out there. They they, they seem to an yeah. athletic factory. They probably understand left from right. They know what what's it's a up. really good it's a really good school. Cynical Rucker over here. Yeah, but no, but, I think that was Tennessee went head to head with Bama for that one. I mean, and and it looked for a while. And again, we'll, we'll get to Ryan, who who knows more about this in just a second. But I think it's fun for those of us who don't, you know, don't don't get inundated with recruiting coverage every day because that that kind of puts us in the seat for once of the average fan, kind of, you know, because because because. And I'm candid about this. I don't do a lot of recruiting, so uh, w- I probably know a little bit more about like than the, like the average person would. But but it helps for conversation because this isn't just us talking inside baseball. Like there's questions probably that people have out there. And, and from the outside looking in, it looked to me like Tennessee was trending there for a while with Toa Toa. And then for whatever, whatever reason, you can probably guess, I mean, Bama being what it is, it's just a great program. Bama started, you know, got the new defensive staff in place. Saban got to go there. He talks to the kid and it looks like maybe Bama's kind of going to, pull that one out like they usually do when they want somebody uh, but then for whatever reason Wednesday morning it starts to get out that hey maybe Tennessee isn't out of this thing yet and and we never thought Tennessee was out because of the relationships that those guys on that staff have with De La Salle and with that family uh, but just an outstanding job for Tennessee because because Wright is someone we all kind of figured Tennessee was going to get but but Toa Toa I think is a really nice surprise and just a huge huge Get for Tennessee. It's sort of uh, it was sort of like Guevara's crowds 2.0 a little bit. Right? Yep. Yeah, like Tennessee yep. was out of it. Um, they did have a, a home in home visit late mm-hmm. last week, right? And Jeremy Pruitt, in recruiting ninja, I guess worked his magic there. Maybe he played yep. Madden with them again. <laughs> <laughs> if that worked with Crouch, I don't know if it worked with. Uh, hey, you gotta do what you gotta Toa, do. But whatever they did, it worked because uh, they ended up they ended up getting him. I, 
I would love to be able to tell everyone conclusively what happened, but there are three different versions of the story that I've already been told. Um, his coach has told one version, which is that um, that essentially he knew Sunday morning that he was going to Tennessee. Uh, the coach claims he knew Sunday, and that really Alabama was out of it, and according to him, when with Tosh Lapoy um, leaving. So according to him, it was Tennessee and Washington in the end, and the Alabama stuff was misdirection or was not really true. And then I've talked with other people who said Alabama absolutely was in it until at least Tuesday, if not later, and that it, it just sort of started to shift toward Tennessee later on. And then uh, I've talked with some people who have questioned Al- whether Alabama's numbers situation played a, played a role in things. So regardless, the, the bottom line is you've got to give Tennessee credit because, again, this goes back to the relationship. Um, you know, this is a, a, a situation where you weren't going to land Henry Toa Toa without winning his trust and without winning his family's trust. They're a very close family, uh, like most Polynesian families, it's like the the tongue of Iloa is at Alabama, you know, where they moved to Alabama. It might be a similar situation where they move with him to Tennessee. Uh, they're they're that close. It's it's entirely possible. Um, you know, there were there was talk of them looking at houses when they were in town for his official visit to Knoxville. So you had to win the trust of all of those people, and and there clearly was that level of trust for Tennessee to be able to win that battle and to pull him away from the West Coast because if they wanted us, kind of a a compromise, I guess they wanted humidity. Well, you, you could have easily stayed out west. He he liked Washington, uh, and, and that's a good program. They've been they've been doing well up there. And there's great a great coach, a very good Polynesian culture there. There's several other Polynesian players who've been through that program, so that that would that could play into it. I mean, there were there were legitimate reasons at times to think any of those three schools could have landed him, and Tennessee comes out on top in the end. However, it happens. So give, give Tennessee a ton of credit, and like you said, Patrick, reminds you of the Quavaris Crouch battle, and for Tennessee to pull out two of these where they were thought to be underdogs at at different times, and, and really for a lot of the home stretch really impressive and especially Brian Niedermeyer winning both of those. Yeah. I'm a big fan in general of having some, some Polynesian culture players on your team because, uh, and you don't want to, you know, lump everybody into one category, but in general, most of the Polynesian people I've been around, they're really good people from really good families. They have respect, you know, for, for people, they treat people the right way. They work hard. They do what they're supposed to do. And I, and I think, you add more of those guys into your program. I think that's a good thing because they, in every experience I've had just about those guys, they help your football team and they, they're good for your culture too. They're just good people. And you make a good point there. And then, you know, when, when uh, I think Greg Biggins was our first, uh, he, one of our West coast guys was the first to, to drop a crystal ball for, for Toto on mm-hmm. Wednesday afternoon. And, and people on our board were like, ah, oh, they're just setting it up. They're just well, trying to create drama, and it's but like, yeah, put, your, and, and put, put your cup on, put, put your, your cup on, yeah, here it comes. That's, that's, that's Here's the thing, though. Favorite. A couple weeks before, there was another round of Tennessee Crystal Ball picks also started by either Biggins or Brandon Huffman, where they started hearing out at the Polynesian Bowl after the Tosh Lapoy departure, hey, this really might yeah. be a big enough deal, and Tennessee might be the team to beat. I had continued to hear at that point that Tennessee was in good shape, and they thought if there was any hope of Alabama still winning the battle, they thought they had momentum, and that the Tosh Lapoy departure might kind of you know, just put aside any thoughts of Alabama winning it. That obviously may or may not have been true, but yeah, the, the momentum seemed to shift at times down the stretch. And, and, and the point I was going to make though yeah. is that this was this is a guy because of his uh, his background and, and his family, he wasn't going to be trolling. Yeah, and, and at, at at this point of the morning or whatever part of day it was, it Tennessee had just come off the George Pickens right situation where. That thing was all over the place, Ryan. You were keeping oh, yeah. tabs on it more than anybody. And, Four and, different teams were, and, and even uh, Keith uh, Niebuhr. Niebuhr down in a d- who covers Auburn. I for think us, it's Niebuhr. Her. See, it's it's a confusing <laughs> last name, and um, I don't want to butcher it. So thank you, Ryan. Uh, as as Ryan has shown, uh, he knows how to pronounce last well, names. 
and, and it just seems like the, the you know the Pickens thing was all over the place. Tennessee thought they had a shot, and then they thought it was Miami, and then he picks Georgia, and yeah, um, just sort of a wild situation there. And so at that point, that was one of the the other big fish that Tennessee was hoping for, and I think their fans were like, okay, well this is just going to be quote unquote a dud, even though they were still going to get Darnell Wright. The problem with Wright is that it's been kind of obvious for a while which way he's been leaning. So it's not necessarily a surprise. And so I think that took some of the, the, I don't want to say joy out of the day, but the excitement. But yeah. then once you started, you know, once things started rumbling that they were going to get Toa Toa, that's when, okay, you're like, okay, this is going to be a really nice finish for Tennessee. And it, and it was. Yeah. And, and, and one side note, by the way, we're kind of on an island uh, with the pronunciation that I have apparently taught you guys well, because you've actually not butchered it. Good job. But, uh, <laughs> But no one else is saying the name Toa Toa the way I have been saying it. And isn't, isn't it Toa Toa, basically? Because there's the second one. I think it's slightly different, right? No, they're identical. It's just T O apostrophe O. Are you are you positive about this, or are you just making this up? No, that's that's how it's. So who told you that's how you say his name? He did. Okay, I've talked to yeah. So I've talked like that's a good source. I've talked to him exactly twice uh, on the phone, and both times, just to be sure. The first time, I legitimately didn't know. The second time, to be sure, because I'd heard so many mispronunciations of his name, I asked again, and that's... That's uh, probably a common question for you with, with, with recruits. Uh, you'd be you amazed. I, I, I'm, and yeah. I'm just enough of an idiot that I'm willing to ask. You know, A lot of reporters, I think, are afraid to ask, hey, how do you say your name? Because it seems like insulting, but I, I, people get it all the time. I'm sure... I mean, I've heard... Kavaris Crouch was making fun of Jeremy Pruitt mispronouncing his name. I mean, coaches can't even keep. No, up I with think this it's stuff. important because I mean that's yeah. your name. I mean that, that's the name that your your parents gave yeah. you, the name your mom gave you. It, it, it's your name. It's who you are. I yeah. think it's um, people who. And it's hard. A lot, it, of, it, a lot it, of these guys it, are, are used to their name being butchered all the time. Yeah, it, it bothers it. me when people butcher other people's names because that just it's just kind of disrespectful. It's like take the time to figure out how to say someone's name. I mean, if you make the mistake the first time, right. that's fine. But people who just do it all the time, they they drive me crazy. But but bottom line is is that this took. This Wednesday took a day that, or or a class, I think that, that people would have been okay with. They they wouldn't have loved, mm-hmm. and it made it a much better class. Now again, there's no way around this. Tennessee, this is a you know just the past three years, which is going to be a majority of the team next year, are three top twenty five classes. That's the good thing. The bad news is this is a third consecutive year that Tennessee is going to be in the bottom half of the SEC in recruiting, and 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 it just tells you just how difficult life is in this league and uh, there's no way around it they're going to have to coach these guys up they're going to have to because if you just go in there according to the rankings more or less and everybody kind of does what they're what they're expected to do let's just take a a general snapshot and say that well then how's Tennessee going to catch some of the top teams in this league if it go if everything goes to chalk that's not going to happen they have to coach these guys up and again that I guess that's why you pay these guys a lot of money because because this is a solid class, no way around it. Great offensive line class. I mean, two of the top six offensive tackle prospects in the country. Mm-hmm. You'll take that every day of the week and twice on Saturday. That that's awesome. But you have to go out there and coach these guys up because, again, there's a couple transfers in here. They're guys who were big time prospects, uh, and that's gonna that would add to the overall talent level of the class, maybe. But still, the bottom line is they're going to have to coach them up. But the thing, though, the interesting thing about this class, when everybody looks at the rankings, and Tennessee's 12th there, and in our rankings, they are a hundredth of a point behind Auburn. Uh, which, by the way, I just saw something, uh, a tweet from Brandon Marcello, who's our Auburn guy. Um, he said that if, Pick, if George Pickens had signed with Auburn, they would be sixth. And that illustrates the point that mm-hmm. um, the, the, the gap between Tennessee at 12 in our rankings and Texas, who are, who's third, is only – 
It's uh, let me do some math here. Only like 15 points. And yeah. the gap between Texas and Georgia, who's second, is let me do some more math. 20 points. So yeah, Alabama and, and Georgia are on a totally different level right now. Yeah, and Georgia adding Pickens was just and, a big kick in the coin pouch to everybody because they just—I mean—that that Bama and Georgia just loaded up. And I think Texas A&M and LSU are gonna, you know, with Jimbo and the base that there is in Texas, those two schools may be usually higher in the rankings than everybody else. But rest of the SEC, I mean, Tennessee before you can take aim at, at winning the East, you got to beat the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys and the Missouris yep. and the Vanderbilts, and, and those teams have. Are you t- are you stealing in, the idea that those, I'm going to write a column for on Thursday? And, or Friday? and those programs have taken lower recruiting classes and developed them. Yeah. Uh, and I think I, what I like about this class is, first of all, I really like what they did on the offensive line. That was a major area of need. Now this offensive line class probably won't fix everything overnight. They're going to have to develop. No, a they need of these they guys. need they need two of these classes. But this class, just from a size standpoint, these all five of these guys look like SEC offensive linemen need to look. And Tennessee yeah. did not. I made this point before on the podcast, but Tennessee's offensive line last year, they didn't look like the other the guys on the other offensive line in, when, in, the, in these SEC games. Nope. The Missouri game was striking, and, and that was brought up this week. when you They know, look saw, like Bama's tight ends. We saw, we saw a report that uh, Tennessee's interested in some of those Missouri seniors, and a couple of them are offensive linemen, and they're 6'5", 330, and 6'7", 330. And that was a huge. O-line was huge. Well, a couple Tennessee, of the options are and, offensive linemen. Yeah, and, and, and Tennessee's trotting out three sub-300-pound guys last year. It's like – they don't look like they're in the same weight class. Yep. Yeah, that, and so, but with Wanye and Darnell Wright, um, Aprogane is mm-hmm. already huge. He was big anyway, and now he's already gotten bigger, as, as Ryan threw out some nuggets earlier this week. Yeah, difficult class for Bob Kessling. <laughs> it really Mel- is. Melvin McBride's over 300 pounds. Jackson Lampley's another big kid. They've, they've got big, big guys, and Pruitt likes to point out, hey, big we powerful got big, men. big, powerful men. So they address <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and, I, and I like this class in a lot of places because – it's more of a fit of what they want to do. It's what it, it, it's mm-hmm. guys that they want, uh, and it's guys that they're familiar with, and it's guys they've evaluated. And, and, and as a coach, you know, unless you're Alabama and you're getting the pick of whoever you want, you're having to go off your evaluations because you're not going to get everybody you want. And so this staff yeah. trusts those their evaluations, and uh, now they've got to take some of these players who a lot of them seem to have natural physical abilities that you see watching their film, and, and they've got to develop them and make them into SEC caliber players. Yeah, and I think for those who missed that, uh, Pat did mention about Tennessee contacting Missouri, and I read a story early this week, some good reporting um, by some of the guys on that Missouri beat. There was a story that came out and said that there were four SEC coaches who had called uh, Missouri and said, hey, we're not going to take any of your players. Don't worry. You know, you're on probation, but we're not going to do that. And Tennessee said forget that. And Tennessee <laughs> said uh, screw that. We need players. Uh, so I'm going to call and say uh, I'd like some of your players, please. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it, – hey, that that is what it is. It's it's business in this league. It's business time. And, and Tennessee needs to win. And Missouri, you know, Pruitt last year openly going – and I remember this vividly. Tennessee-Missouri week, Pruitt said several times that he was impressed with Missouri's offensive line by the size and stature and the way those guys played the game. So it's not a surprise at all that, that Tennessee is trying to get some of those guys. But, you know, back to Tennessee's class, guys, this this is big news. This is big news. Uh, said weeks ago and months ago, we've said for a long time now that anybody who didn't in the college football world who didn't know Brian Niermeyer's name was going to learn it pretty soon because he was – doing an unbelievable job on the recruiting trail. The guy's going coast to coast, picking lots of different guys, getting some, getting Tennessee in on some big-time players, helping Tennessee land some big-time players. Lo and behold, uh, those two huge additions on signing day 
pushed Niedermeyer into the number one spot in 24-7 sports uh, coaching recruiting rankings. So Brian Niedermeyer is the 2019 uh, 24-7 sports national recruiter of the year. So uh, big and he's got to be probably the best recruiter in Alaskan history, right? Like he's, he, like he's got to be. Like, and I love Alaska. Been there, beautiful part of the country. Absolutely love it. Thanks for that great deal, Russia. But you know, not a lot of football personalities from up yeah. there. So you keep this up, Brian Niedermeyer. You might you might get a statue up there in Alaska pretty soon. Might. This might this might be a big deal. But but in in all seriousness. Just an unbelievable go- job this young guy has done on the recruiting trail. Just, you know, you look at him and you go, ah, he's kind of goofy. You know, I take pictures where it's like every time I ever take a picture of the guy in practice, I joke that, it, one, it looks like me sometimes, and, and, two, it looks like a guy who had a bad day and doesn't want to talk about it. He just kind of has that frazzled look, just kind of like he's got the big bushy beard and the hair, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. But the dude is just a recruiting monster. He, he's done an unbelievable job. And and the most impressive thing, I think, is just sort of the path he's taken to this and how quickly it's happened. I mean, I, I was telling this earlier, a year ago. First guy Pruitt brought with him, though. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess a year and two months ago now. On I, I, I believe I remember this right, that it his name was one of the first that sort of broke the night Pruitt was introduced in his press conference that later that evening we heard Niedermeyer's name as one of the first staff hires. And we were thinking, okay, is this a support staff hire? Is this an assistant coach that's going to be on the field? What, 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 what is this exactly? And he, he wasn't an assistant coach at Alabama. Obviously he was in an off field role there. So we didn't know what to make of it at the time. Well, obviously it turned out he's an on field coach. He's coaching tight ends. He's the lowest paid assistant on the staff. It For looks, now. Yeah, it looks like Pruitt giving a guy a chance to jumpstart his career. And then six months later, you figure out, this guy is the best recruiter on the entire staff. I mean, what? I mean, you see him looking there like he's wearing like these sandals and some of the recruiting pictures and looking yeah, all funny but, in the kid's living room. And it's like this guy, Tennessee, you're sending this guy as your as your top recruiter, and then well, it's like, yeah, because he's awesome at it. And it's not a mystery; he's the youngest guy on the staff, so he relates well to kids. True. He, you see on social media, he's got a great sense of humor that plays well with kids. He has a, a very playful banter with most of the kids that I've spoken with uh, who have gotten to know him pretty well. So it's an easygoing relationship and yet he also gets to, to build a bond with them over time. That's sort of like a big brother to some of them. And it's, that's going to play well with a lot of kids. And, and that's funny. what, oh, go ahead. uh, there was a quote that, uh, that, that Darnell Wright told Grant, I got to find it. Wes, go ahead. While I, while I find <laughs> no, it just, it just makes me laugh that, that, you know, when Pruitt got to Tennessee, he basically told, you know, Philip Fulmer and Philip Fulmer knew this, Hey, I need money for this staff. I need a, I need a bunch of money for this, for this staff. And, and he's got one of the highest paid coaching staffs in the country, millions of dollars on these guys every year. And the guy making $200,000 is your recruiting stud. So it just kind of shows that, I mean, if you can recruit, man, you can recruit and And give Jeremy Pruitt credit because he identified him. Yeah. Not only did he bring him along, he made a point to say this guy, I believe in him enough. He can coach on either side of the ball. I want him somewhere on my staff and he can be a glue guy. If he needs to coach linebackers, tight ends, whatever, he can do it. I want him on my staff. And, it turned out to be maybe the best hire he made on the entire staff so far. Something interesting that, that Wright told Grant on Wednesday is that, and this is a direct quote, for me, he's not even like a coach. He's almost like another player, except he's old. Yeah. <laughs> and Christina Meyer is only 30. Yeah. So, so basically so basically, he's a BYU football um, player is and, what he's saying. And so, I mean, but it, it's interesting when he, and we, we were kind of touched on this a second ago, when he, when he first came to Tennessee, we were kind of not sure if he was going to be on the staff. Um, and, and maybe if, if the NSA hadn't, you know, if this wasn't the time that they were, we're expanding coaching staff to, to yeah. a tenth guy. He might not have been on it. Yeah, um, and, and you know, I think he had 
assistant coach in his bio during this whole time, but you know, because Tennessee didn't have a full staff, he was out on the road a lot last December in the early mm-hmm. signing period. And and two guys he helped Tennessee get uh, last year, uh, he did some work out on the West Coast. He was the primary guy for Dominic Wood Anderson, yep. who they beat Alabama out to get. Yep. He was the primary guy for Jordan Allen, who mm-hmm. they made a late push to get. And yep. then he was uh, the primary for Jameer Johnson, who – wasn't highly rated guy, but he started eleven games this year, and they really like him. They and like him a lot. He was a and, he was a twenty four seven sports four star. And, 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 yeah, and, and well, I think and I think he was. I'm well, not positive, but I think Jameer Johnson was one of the guys that Pruitt was talking about when he praised Craig Fitzgerald, the strength coach, and talked about the weight yeah. gain some guys have had two fifty seven to two ninety seven. I, I think that might have that might be Jameer Johnson. I just I don't know how many guys on the team have added as much bulk as he. I did look size at the roster. In the past I did year. look at the roster when but, he said that. But, but, that, but that's the thing, though, is, is it, I think it's totally within reason. I think that Niedermeyer earned his way on the staff with his ability to recruit, as he showed that December, yeah. because Pruitt, as we know, he loves, you know, if you're not going to recruit, he doesn't want you on his staff. And so uh, I think there's some maybe some credence to, to Niedermeyer showing and earning his way into this role and then just taking off from there. And, and, and you know, uh, and some of the stuff we've, we've seen on our message board saying, pay the man, pay the man. Tennessee's – if they haven't already taken care of him, they will. It's in the works. They're it's, gonna. It's it's not going to be an issue. He will not be making two hundred thousand dollars. And he, year. he had opportunities uh, after after this the early signing period yeah. between now and then. He's had a couple of big time programs have have come in. I think Florida State may have, and a couple others. I, th- I think showed a lot of interest in him, and because his name's getting out there in the coaching world, people are paying attention to this. And and he said no that he was going to stay with Pruitt because Pruitt was his guy, and and, and that's that's big time here, uh, for Tennessee. Here, here's the thing. I, to put this in perspective, I'd have to go back and look. I haven't gotten to fully research this yet, but I, Trooper Taylor, I thought, might have been National Recruiter of the Year, but I, I, I can't find that he ever won. He was top 25 on one site as a as one of the top recruiters in the country when he was at his best at Tennessee. Yeah, the year when he got there and he pulled out those yeah. three stars from, from those three big-time stars right. from South Florida, and it was like, whoa, how'd that happen? But, but I can't find any record of Tennessee having an assistant coach, at least in the last 15 years, having a national recruiter of the year on staff. And well, now Pru- they got three. Pru- Pru- yeah, Pruitt was. And, well, I'm saying it at Tennessee. Yeah, oh, somewhere yeah, at Tennessee true. doing it. So now, yeah, now Tennessee has three former 24 7 Sports National Recruiters of the Year on staff, counting Pruitt and T. Martin. So, um, pretty impressive stat there for this uh, for, for this staff's ability to recruit. But on top of that, he's doing this. Usually, National Recruiter of the Year is almost what the Heisman has become. It's the best recruiter on one of the top on one of the staffs that brings in a top five class. Yeah. It's, it's the best player on a playoff team. You know, it's that kind of deal. He did this with the a class that's ranked number 12 nationally. That I, means I hate when you make good points. He did. He did <laughs> so much of the heavy lifting for Tennessee. <laughs> that's, that's a good line, Wes. Uh, the BYU football player line was earlier was good too, but y'all didn't even pay attention to it. So don't worry about it. But the, in a class that ranks 12th nationally, he signed or he was the primary or secondary recruiter for seven of the 23 players in this class and most of the big names he recruited and it's it's a really impressive job and, and and we'll see that thing fluctuates that kind of thing fluctuates one year to the next so i wouldn't assume he's forever and ever going to be a top 20 recruiter or whatever but this is a really good sign obviously that he's he's got some staying power i think to be uh, a really elite recruiter nationally yeah, and, and he to clear it up he was the primary guy for darnell Wright, for toa toa mm-hmm. kovaras crouch crouch uh, and earlier, he did some work uh, in North Carolina. Got Tyus Fields. Tyus he was Fields. he was a primary for that, and he was primary for both of the uh, the tight ends, the tight ends, including Sean Jackson Brown. Lowe, who's a four star. Played with uh, 
And these guys Trevor are in Lawrence. like completely different parts of the country too. Yeah. So he's going all over the place. He's it's, got, it's gotten to a point where I look at it. If I'm looking at a guy on, and someone's talking about a prospect, and I wonder, I wonder who's recruiting them. That's not in a. It's in a different place. I'm not really sure. I just now my default stance is probably Niedermeyer. Yeah. Well, he's 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 been given a lot, or he was previously given a lot of California. We'll see if they give T. Martin some of that now. But he he had been given California because he has some ties out there. Uh, he's been recruiting North Carolina, especially the Charlotte area. He's been in different. And just wait till some some prospects start coming out of Anchorage, Alaska. He's going to be all over that. Yeah, <laughs> that's where he's from, is what Wes is saying. Yeah, uh, but, but there's more basketball players and, from up there. And, but, I, yeah. and Wes, you deserve credit because I just looked up a story that we wrote from uh, Vol Calls last year where Peru mm-hmm. was talking about Jameer Johnson. Uh, he was two fifty seven when he got here, and we put thirteen on him. Shout out to Wes Rucker. He yep. knows he knows his stuff. He remembers his Vol Calls history. There, there's like just so, and so they said Jameer's two ninety seven now. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Pruitt loves the Pruitt loves Jameer Johnson. Every time he talks about Jameer Johnson, he's like, I just like that kid. There um it, it sounds like they're doing some stuff in the weight room because Pruitt said Wednesday night that Brian Maurer, the new quarterback's put on eleven pounds. Uh Ryan, I think you reported the other day a Progan has already put on ten, 10 to 15, fifteen. Yep. Uh which isn't surprising. I think his his coach at IMG said after he committed that he had the the frame, even though he didn't have a lot of um body fat percentage that he could mm-hmm. he get up to 315 320 easy yep and he was already mountainous yeah he, so he, it he, seems like uh seems like there maybe some of that spray has come in yeah the the, the, <laughs> the deer, magic spray the, the deer antler spray or yeah. i guess i guess it'd be the buck antler spray or whatever the bear antler the bears the bear spray from alaska with nearby west you and i are soccer guys so we we should just say the magic spray magic spray yeah no <laughs> i i think that you know and this is my point about pruitt i've said this for a while the reason that you can tell that Pruitt's got a good reputation in this business and that people are loyal to him is that things that we are now taking for granted, like Niedermeyer had really good opportunities to leave Tennessee this offseason, and he did not do it, and that's been huge for Tennessee. Craig Fitzgerald could have gone back to his alma mater, and he was roommates. Again, I say this, roommates with the guy who started and still owns Under Armour, who, like, runs the Maryland Athletic Department, and that guy wanted Craig to come home. And Craig said, no, he was going to stay at Tennessee. This does not happen a lot of places. Pruitt, his guys, that want, they're all about this guy. And, you know, you didn't see that. Like, for instance, when some of the really good coaches on, on Butch Jones' staff, like when Bajakian left, that hurt Tennessee. Mark Elder. Mark Elder left, hurt Tennessee a lot. Now, he had an opportunity to go be head coach, so I guess that's a little different. But Pruitt's been able to keep his guys. And if you're trying to rebuild this program, it's really hard to do that without continuity. I can think of, like, one example in college football of a program that seems to win all the time despite always having a new head coach, and that's Arkansas State. Uh, Other than that, it seems like if you're consistently shuffling people all the time, it's really hard to catch up to the top people in college football, especially in a place like the SEC. You're trying to catch Alabama. You're trying to catch Georgia. And if you're Tennessee, you've got to go out there and pass South Carolina. You've got to go out there and pass Missouri. And it's hard to do that stuff when you're always having to go get new people and shuffle the deck. Mm-hmm. And got Pruitt's guys are staying with him, and he's able to go get big-time coaches. I'm not convinced that there's not going to be any more movement in the coaching staff. There's always occasionally there's some things that happen after signing day. But Pruitt seems to identify coaches, and, and, and they're sticking with him. 
And that that's a huge part of the process. And, I don't think that can be mm-hmm. taken for granted. And, and maybe there shouldn't be a concern over if there's going to be staff changes based on the fact that Pruitt already this offseason has gone out and gotten Jim Chaney and T. Martin. So if he decides yes. that he wants to bring in somebody else, it's but probably going to be a good hire. But, but bringing back Jim Chaney when we can't talk to him is just painful. It is. Uh, one one more thing for Niedermeyer. He tweeted this uh, Wednesday night. This has to be shared. I don't know if Wes has seen it. Have you seen Niedermeyer's tweet? Uh, no, I, if it, it I sounds just, like I'm something gonna, I would need to know, and I, I don't know. Um, he tweeted, uh, he, he made a tweet where he gave a shout out to basically uh, a lot of the behind the scenes people in the program. Takes uh, a village. The recruiting staff, quality control guys. And we should point out that Kevin Simon, former De La Salle star, really yep. helped Tennessee help yep. uh, get Henry Toa Toa. There was mm-hmm. a connection there that, that Tennessee used very well. But Niedermeyer also tweeted out, he gave another shout out to um, another recruiting assistant, Michael Magnus. And he said, Best recruiting assistant I've ever been around. We're going to build this thing Rick by dot, 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 dot. Just playing sunglasses <laughs> guy emoji. <laughs> Wes is really happy. I can, I can see the genuine content hey, on I, his face. I'm a professional, okay? I'm not going to sit here and, and dance over someone's professional grave. I mean, I want to, but I don't I don't <laughs> think you, that I'm going did to. Did you guys know that, that Butch had a chance to go join the Maryland staff and then was like, no, I'm going to go back to Alabama. Maybe they'll put me on as a full-time yeah, coach there. Yeah, but they're not going <laughs> to. Uh, Which is going to let the intern jokes continue for another year. So, yeah. Yep. And also, it's going to keep those fat, fatter checks from Tennessee coming. It will. Too. Yeah, that did that did hurt Tennessee financially, for sure. Because, you know, anything that he would have to make somewhere comes out of his buyout money at Tennessee. So now, because he's making the same money regardless of where he goes. So he, he could he could go do anything, and he's getting the well, same money. Wes, you, you clearly have a happiness bubble that I'm about to pop right now because Grant is texting Why? us from the road. First of all, don't text and drive um, like Grant Ramey does. Second of all, he wishes he could FaceTime you and play Pop Rocks. Yeah, Ramey made a <laughs> false... XM Station Pop Rocks at 17. Y'all Ra- check it out. Ramey made a false accusation... Because when we go on road trips, Remy and I are the road warriors. In basketball season, like it's it's almost like, you know, we we see each other more than we see our our own families during basketball season, and we 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 agree on most things all the time. We're both agreeable people, but Remy occasionally listens to just terrible terrible music on that god awful satellite radio channel, <laughs> Pop Rocks, and he today was accusing me of liking that station when. I only have a couple rules. When I get in the car, every time I say, hey, Grant, rule number one, don't kill me. Rule number two, no eagles. Rule number three, no pop rocks. Other than that, bro, do whatever you want. You hate I think I think those are three fair he just, rules. He just sent us a screen, uh, screenshot of what's playing on pop rocks. It's Coldplay. Yeah, oh, he, he sent me one. He sent me one earlier today. It was uh, like no a, doubt. It was no doubt. Yep. Uh, it was no doubt. So what song was it? Don't speak playing. Yep. And he FaceTimed me and just <laughs> set the phone there. And let the song play until I hung up because I was basically like on the phone, like you bastard, I hate you. Acknowledge this. And Ramy, being Ramy, he just sat there quietly leaving the phone there. And eventually, I got the point and hung up. And then he started texting me about it. But yeah, long story short, he's a turd. But and pop and that. Hey, if people want to listen to that music, man, that is that is their prerogative. You that is that is their choice, and I, that's fine. But I don't want to hear it. You hating the Eagles is still strange to me. I hate them. I hate them. I just, That's a whole other podcast. We I need to get back ju- on track. No, no. Let me. Let me. No. Let, no. I'm going to make this one point because I'm the one over here next to the control, and I can I can keep this in if I want. Well, and I'm going to say this. His head. Yeah, because I'm the guy standing next to the control board. But listen, the Eagles 
are were very very they were an iconic band so many people love them people have paid thousands and thousands of dollars to go to all their shows over the years and they love them they have all the albums i don't know why but ever since i was a kid and, and you know i grew up like my you know my mom played all kinds of music there's you know the beach boys and elton john just great stuff great stuff but she also would occasionally play the eagles and i would be like i can't do this i don't know why ever since i was a kid something about them just it sounds like mommy issues it angers me it angers me. Well, there's some other things that you don't like that I think most people would say you're crazy for not liking. True. But that's, we're not going to get into those I things. I have a code. I have a list. And uh, every man should have a code. Um, all right. So what to, was our... To steer this thing back on course a little bit. Um, I decide where the course is, Ryan. <laughs> and you've already made your one good point for this podcast. That's true. So i got to set the rest, one, rest of it out. Yeah. You have, to be, you have to be dumb now. Go back to being dumb, please. Uh, no, I, I did have one point uh, earlier on, on, on this the finish to the class because I, I didn't think we... Well, first of all, we kind of glossed over Darnell Wright just because it was such a foregone conclusion, but that's... Number 10 overall prospect. Yeah, the, the number country. 10 overall player in the country just signed with Tennessee. And first of all, a lot of the focus on signing day was about the fact that signing day isn't very fun anymore. And even Tennessee fans were saying that through most Make of the day. Make signing day great again. As there wasn't much activity. I remember when kids signed on signing day and rappers rapped. Yeah. I remember both of those things. But but you know what? This turned out to be a more exciting and a more eventful signing day than really any of the past four or so. That and Tennessee I, that probably Tennessee got had. more attention because yeah. they got two of the biggest guys left on the board. They got the two highest ranked uncommitted players that were left on the board. Um, that George Pickens obviously was committed to Auburn before flipping to Georgia, so he, he doesn't count toward that. But that yeah. was the only thing that kept him from being a perfect yeah. day, I think. Now, if Tennessee had somehow gotten all three of those guys, that just would have been a dream finish. But as is, landing two of those guys, that's an incredible finish. But what it did is it took an, an imperfect class. This is not a class where they filled every need to to perfection. Well, they had so many needs. They had too, so, had too many to one. fill. They did. They did. So it's and it's you know it's a class where they had some complications in state dealing with so, you know a class that they didn't really know very well when they got here. It was t- took them a while to get a feel for kind of the lay of the land, who they actually wanted in state. So that was complicated. They they flat out just missed out on a couple guys like Maurice Hampton. They never could get him on campus. You know guys like that. So it was an imperfect class. But this finish takes it from what was a solid class, I think, to a very good one. I don't think it's a great class, but it is it is now a very good one because you filled the need at linebacker. You obviously took care of the offensive line, signing five guys, two five-star tackles. Um, and, and even if they're not day one starters, they they have such high ceilings, they're going to be really good players. I think Wanya almost has to start because he's... he's I, I think somewhere, probably, yeah. But he's got the best chance because he's an early enrollee. Darnell Wright is the one that I would caution people a little bit on expecting a raw. day one starter just because he is raw. But he's so talented that it just it's going to depend on just how far along he is by the end of the summer. Hey, he, and Old Dirty Bastard liked it raw. So, I mean, sometimes sometimes that's a good thing, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, how Ryan. To you don't, Ryan. You don't know Wu Tang Clan. I don't know why I even tried. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna let that one go. But uh, so, so yeah, it's a it's a class that has some very high peaks in it, and and I think it's obviously gonna be defined by how how well they evaluated. You know, if they get some of those three stars they signed to really pan out, if those junior college defensive linemen they signed really pan out, you know, so, some some examples like that. It's gonna be a good class, um, but. They, they've got to hit on their evaluations. And that's that's the main – I mean, you said it kind of differently, Wes, but kind of the same at the same time. They've, they've got to coach them up. I think they, they've got to evaluate well. well. We'll see over time whether they did. But Clemson has gotten where it's gotten without signing a single number one class. You can do it without signing even top five classes all the time. You just got to evaluate well, hit on a good percentage of them, and really take advantage of your highly ranked players you sign, which that's where Tennessee failed as much as anywhere under Butch Jones, the elite players they signed – often didn't live up to the hype. This time, 
they just need to hope and, and try to develop, you know, guys like Henry Toa Toa, Quivaris Krauts. They need to be the elite players they're billed as. But if they are, this may we may look back on this as a very good class. I, I, I think today I think today took this class from a solid B. I'd even go A minus. I, I think the place, the places where they maybe came up short where they didn't get an elite defensive lineman and they didn't I think I, defensive I, line in general is is a little and, bit of a concern. And, and pass rush. Yep. I think if they don't have a guy and, I'm gonna and, I'll add running back to that. And, and you need you need a in this day and age, you need a guy off the edge. You need a Derek Barnett type. I think you not, can not not necessarily that, but close right. to that. A guy that that other offensive coordinators say we got to figure out this guy will wreck our game plan. You need a game wrecker. Him. Yeah, and and you know for this upcoming season they might have one. Daryl Taylor has. Yeah. you know if he can do what he did against Kentucky every game, you know he's got sort of that potential to be that guy. But uh, I think that's where they they fell maybe a little bit short. And because of that, um, Jordan Davis, who's committed in the 2020 class, immediately becomes the most important <laughs> commitment. I know a yeah. lot of people talk about Harrison Bailey, and he is a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but they need I, an elite pass rusher that can help right away next year. And, and you know they address the needs on the offensive line. Um, I think they did a good job at tight end in this class too. I, th- yeah. I like the two guys they're bringing in there. Uh, I like some of the defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's tough that you know Tyus Fields has an ankle injury. He he might will probably be out for a couple months here in the offseason, Probably won't go through spring practice. Uh, you touched on linebacker. Mm-hmm. I think you know if you want to throw JJ Peterson as a as a signing in this class, he basically is basically I mean, yeah. Uh, and, you know he's a guy that you know they just had on campus who you know that you should there should be more coming out of him in this upcoming season. But and let's not even um, let's not and, even this isn't even including the fact that they've signed they added. Two transfers yeah. who don't count toward the rankings that were elite prospects coming out of high school. And, and on offense, I think they got a really good receiver in Ramel Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, and and receiver is a position that there is going to be really important in the 2020 class. And they they've started, a, you know, yeah, they're losing a lot. There. Uh, they're they're going to lose, I think, maybe four seniors off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and, and they'll and have so, some transfers too. I and think. so you know, we've heard D'Angelo Gibbs will play there. Uh, Ramel Keaton's another guy they'll need on. on uh, to step up there, I think the running back they got in this class, Wes, you were going to say that's an area that fell short. I really like Eric Gray. I like Eric Gray. I just think they need more there. He, I, I think he's. I think in a class with all the needs they have, I can live with the one running back. I do wonder about depth. And, and but the but, thing is, is that they've got a couple guys in this class that could be really good running backs. Yep. Quarrax uh, Crouch is yeah. a you know beast of a running back. If you mm-hmm. watch his film, Aaron Beasley gonna, was a very productive start player. Him outside linebacker. Well, though. maybe that's the difference in, in this staff and the previous staff is that a, you know the previous staff saw a, a, an athlete like Tyler Bird and say, hey, we're going to put him on offense because that was an offensive head coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this staff is, you know, they want their best athletes on defense. So uh, I really like this class. Um, I, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, cause an overnight change because I think there's some guys that need to be developed and they need some time. I think it does in um, spots, but not throughout. No, maybe. I mean my only point but, is, but I think okay. but I think that this is very much a step in the right direction and, mm-hmm. and as Pruitt said on Wednesday, they got to put another one on top of it now. And and yep. uh, that's the thing about this recruiting schedule is that they've already had what two three junior days already. I mean mm-hmm. they they almost had more 2020 and even 2021 guys on campus the past few weekends than they had official visitors. So yeah. um that's the that's the calendar now. These guys in the 2020 class are potentially just a few months away from you know coming off the board because there's going to be a lot of you know a lot of those guys are going to make decisions in the summer and probably sign in December because that's just how the the cycle is now. So um, I, I think that's something that these coaching staffs are having to adjust to is because you've got so many guys in the fold in December, you're only focusing on a handful of guys in January, and you can use that time to to get on the road and evaluate other prospects, offers, get guys on campus. And I think Tennessee staff has done a good job. And uh, you made the in-state comment, Ryan, about how they maybe didn't get. Uh, maybe didn't get as many guys in this class, but I think they've they're off to seem to be off to a pretty good start with a lot of in-state guys, and this yeah. is a really good in-state class, especially some of those big linemen down in Memphis. So mm-hmm. uh, I think 
I think Tennessee is moving in the right it, direction. It, it, took, and, and, it, took, it took Pat 42 minutes and 44 yep. seconds to bring up Memphis, in case uh, you were curious. Well, I don't want to talk about Memphis because the Grizzlies are at a crossroads right now. I'm, I'm still I'm still a little in my feelings about it. But, um, yeah, I, I think that this is, you know, it's a step in the right direction, and uh, they need to put another class on top of it. They need to have a better season on the field in, in 2019 right. to, to kind of start keep building the momentum that, that – this class and this finish should generate. And you know, Jer- I, the, my only point was, was cut off, Ryan. I'm yeah. not gonna, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, well, Jeremy Pruitt made the point himself uh, tonight. First of all, they've at, at the recruiting celebration Wednesday night, which they've got two more of those coming up on Thursday in, in Memphis and Nashville, and, and he'll probably deliver a similar message there. But pointing out that a they've got to win more games on the field, and, and on top of that, you know, they've that this this next recruiting cycle, like you said, there's reason to be excited about this class. Sure, it's a top 12 class, has, has a lot of good players in it. But this really, this this upcoming cycle will be the first one they've gotten to fully recruit because it's one thing to recruit a class for a full year like they did with this year's class, but they, you know, just like the in-state situation where they're they're asking guys going into their senior year to camp, not many kids do that. Now they've had two years to recruit these guys. They've gotten to see a lot of these players they're recruiting now in camps going into their junior year when camps more naturally happen, uh, when you can actually get kids on campus for camps. So. There, there's a lot of about this first this next class the 2020 class that will be more natural and i think that will give tennessee a better opportunity to sign a top 10 class or you know maybe even top five if things if the stars align uh for tennessee but yeah they they should have a better class and especially adding t martin you've got now got a couple elite recruiters to help out jeremy pruitt do more of the heavy heavy lifting and uh a, a solid staff around them so i i think everything's set up better where you know tennis i'm sure jeremy pruitt's a little bit disappointed probably deep down that this class didn't crack the top 10. Just knowing how how high his expectations are, I'm sure he would tell you a year ago he probably thought this would be a top 10 class. But Maybe I think it's a top 10 class in his head, though. It, it could be. It could be. But uh, but even then, I, I mean, there were some misses where clearly, you know, if, if you get Owen Papo, if you get you know, any of those guys that they had legitimate shots at at, time, at times, it's an even better class. So I'm sure those – the misses always, you know, kill coaches deep down. As much as they try to act like they focus on the ones they sign, they still – it still eats at them sometimes when they when they miss out on guys they thought they could have had. So I'm sure he's looking at next year and saying, that's when we really can take advantage of what we've done so far. And I think you can see it's very realistic for Tennessee to sign a top 10 class next year. My only point with, with running back was that as much as I think all of us really like Ty Chandler and as much as, as explosive as he is, it, it's pretty clear to me anyways that, that this team doesn't have the kind of running backs that Jeremy Pruitt wants to do what he wants to do offensively. It's and a big it, need. And again, you had Jim Chaney go out there Wednesday night and say that he's more committed to physical football than he ever has been in his career. So he, he's going to be more dedicated to kind of pounding the rock when they can. If I played and, with those Georgia running backs for a few years, I'd, oh, I'd be God, committed yes. to it too. Oh, God, yes. But, I mean, I, I, I just think when you look at this class, unless – like if you're going to move one of those multi-purpose athletes, you know, Crouch, someone like that, over – Key Banks at running back. Yeah, you know, which I asked Bird about Wednesday, and he, like, didn't want to talk about it because it's like he's got to be practicing somewhere, right? Where is he practicing? And, and I guess we'll find out when spring practice starts. But I, I just – I think when you look at how many people they brought in in this class and they addressed – they had so many needs. It was like, you know, there were holes all over the Hoover Dam and there's not enough concrete to fill all of it. Like, you just can't in one year. But – Overall, I just thought that knowing what they want offensively, what they want at running back, they clearly don't have that right now. And I just thought that they would add another guy. But maybe he just looked at the pool of running backs and thought that 
there weren't any that he loved that he could get. So, and maybe, but it's such a big part of what they want to do that it just seems like they would have added another and, one. And, and maybe they, maybe they also looked at another way is that they need more guys like Ty Chandler because he was one of their most explosive playmakers. Yeah. And maybe. if you have a chance to get another guy and like that, and, and that's kind of gray and, size wise, and, that's yeah, what gray is. Gray is. I don't want to say he's a clone of Ty Chandler, but there's yeah. a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there. And so, um, you, you didn't, you, you could tell when Tennessee didn't have Ty Chandler in some games last year yeah. or when he was limited. Uh, especially early in the season, mm-hmm. UTEP, Florida, or uh, like, did he play against Florida? I think he did. Um, there, were, there were a couple games where he wasn't healthy or yeah. he wasn't right early in the season, and you can kind of tell. They lost the, dyna- the the dynamism of that backfield, and now you have a guy like Gray who, who can who can do that. Because well, well, they added the old linemen, they added two big physical tight ends, guys who yep. can maybe help you early on. Underrated. And, and they did a lot of – and I like a lot of those guys. Maybe we'll mention one of them later, but – I think he liked both of those guys as blockers. So they did so many things to address the parts of the running game, so many of the parts of the running game. But then, like, the actual running back part of it, I just thought they would have added one more guy. The, the real answer, they they tried. I think they tried. This is not a deep running back class nationally. You saw them go after – I mean, they swung for the fences like on some Juco guys. Like a Juco or grad transfer maybe? Yeah, I, th- somebody. I thought they might and, – and I thought they were maybe would maybe be a little more desperate to add a second running back. But the, with, with so many needs, I sort of understood it. I mean, if you if you didn't feel as good about Ty Chandler and you didn't feel as good about Eric Gray and you didn't feel as good about even Tim, Tim Jordan, you know, being able to develop a little bit more. Buff you know, Hamster, show some respect. Yeah. So you've got guys there that you are confident in their ability to at least be productive. But, yeah, I, I think part of it was just a very shallow running back class in terms of quality that, that they really wanted. But you saw them. They went after John, John Emery Jr., the five-star they got on campus back in November. They went, mm-hmm. at, went after Trey Sanders, never got a visit from him, uh, and he, he's a stud headed to Alabama. So they went after some, some heavy hitters, uh, Tyrion Davis uh, the, in, in LSU's backyard down in Baton Rouge. So they – they went after some guys. They just didn't get them. So I think next year it's a better running back class nationally. I think you'll see them try to take a couple backs and, and get that bigger back. And if you know if the need rises in 2019, you've got a couple guys, as I mentioned, in your back pocket that yeah. if, if they're not playing a lot on defense that you could – Like Butch's back pocket? <laughs> not quite you were the on same. the list there. <laughs> uh, one, one more thing I want to point out about Darnell Wright is um, earlier this week I, I went back and, and looked at the top 25 all-time commitments in the – according to the 24-7 composite. This right. ranks high, doesn't it? Which is the Bible of recruiting. Uh, it goes, so, well, it goes back to – it was the Bible since 2000, as far as the data mm-hmm. goes back. Um, well, uh, according to this, uh, Darnell Wright is the eighth highest ranked commit of all time. Since 2000. That's since 2000, yeah. And um, someone said earlier today, I need to verify this, but that this had been Tennessee's – even though this class was ranked 12th nationally, in terms of average star – it's ranking, very good, yeah. It's one of the better ones, maybe the best, Can, highest ranked one in the past decade. Maybe since 2009, yeah. potentially. Yeah, that sounds about so right. So better yeah. than any of Butch's classes and, were well, in terms of per, you know, average star power per player. And again, to put more into perspective what Tennessee's done here, they're coming off a five-win season. And someone pointed this out on the checkerboard. I, I forget who I would love to give them credit for, but they, they point out that when Tennessee previously has won five or fewer games, they haven't signed classes this good. Uh, the only one that was the exception was Butch Jones's first year where they went five and seven in, in 2013 and then signed a top 10 class in 2014. But otherwise, every five year, five win year Tennessee's had recently has been followed by a yeah. class that kind of disappointed. It, so, yeah, I mean, look four, at, four, look, the, four of the top 60 or so prospects nationally, that, yep. that's not bad. The teams that finished ahead of Tennessee in the rankings are Alabama, Georgia. They're pretty good. Yeah. Texas had a pretty good year. I don't know if y'all saw it. They kicked, kicked Georgia's ass in the uh, yes. Sugar Bowl. Yes, they did. Texas A&M had a good year. They took Clemson and down to the wire. LSU had a good year. Oklahoma was in the playoff. Oregon had a good year. Michigan 
Did they finish fourth in the in their division again? <laughs> Let's say where's this going? They were doing great until I had to play Ohio State. That's usually how it goes for for them. Uh, Florida, true. Florida won ten games, and then two spots ahead of Tennessee is Clemson. Yep. I don't know if y'all heard. They might have won a national won title. A title. Auburn's just ahead of Tennessee. I'm gonna say they they're tied. Tennessee should be ahead of Auburn in the rankings just because Tennessee beat Auburn with a much less talented team on the field last year. Yeah, and that's one, my two one hundredth of a point. Yeah. I mean, that's just like. That's what happens when guys like Ryan get one yay. Morris moved down two spots. <laughs> Way to go, that's Ryan. That's a joke. Ryan Thank has nothing to do with it. Way to go, Ryan. Thanks <laughs> for nothing that. To do Thank with you, it. Patrick, for getting me off uh, the hook. I totally would have gotten an angry email. The, uh, yeah, the uh, the guy, only guys ranked higher than, than Darnell Wright in the all-time 247 composite are Demetrius Morley. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. Uh, J. Train, Jabari Davis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Munoz, he turned out pretty good. Yep. Uh, he's at five. Four is Gerald Riggs. Too many injuries. Uh, Khalil McKenzie, right? Yeah, three was Khalil McKenzie. Number two is Eric Berry. He he turned out okay. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, number one, Bryce Brown. Oh yeah, yes, good times. yes. It's good. Every every good Bryce Brown mention needs good times. Every time I watch Auburn basketball, too, I'm like, oh, Bryce Brown, not that Bryce Brown, but right. also, you know, part part of that uh, part of that thing is I I can't remember which class. I think it was Casey Clawson's class, but I got to mention Chris Ricks. Anytime you can mention Chris Ricks. The old Florida yep. State quarterback that didn't yeah. have to be very good. Anytime you can mention him, it's a like lot of that's hype. a win today. A lot of hype. Before we get out of here, we did say that we were going to do this because Patrick was uh, insistent upon having some sort of a loose, uh, what do you call it, outline for this for this podcast. Yeah, uh, but it was actually a good idea. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crap all over it. There was we're all going to take one guy who was outside the top twenty four seven in this class that we really like. Who could end up being a good prospect? Hold on, it's I don't want you perpetuating lies. It's still the top two forty-seven, but I'll let you. <laughs> I mean, it's the same. It's the same thing. I mean, uh, I have I have my pick, but I won't go first. Yeah, I'm, oh, fine. I'm I'm gonna go first because I'm tired of y'all taking mine. By the That's time fair. it gets to me, uh, I'm gonna go with actually maybe the lowest ranked guy in the class. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, wide receiver Gerard Means. I Ooh. think this is a guy who. Um, again, when you look at it from a purely athletic standpoint, is as impressive as anybody in this class. He's a six foot two, two hundred and twelve pound wide receiver from a really good uh, program there, uh, Lovejoy, Georgia, right or Hampton, Georgia, Lovejoy High School, south of Atlanta. Is that Preston Williams High School. Preston yep. Williams, uh, you know, resort. Um, Anthony Parker, Tennessee's gotten Chris Smith. T- Tennessee's gotten a bunch of players from there over the years, yeah. but I, this kid. He's listed at 6'2", 212, and he showed up on Tennessee's campus uh, for uh, for his visit and, and the workouts and all that stuff. And T. Martin had never – T. Martin, when he was at USC, the kid wasn't on his radar because he, he tried to recruit Ramel Keaton hard and, and some of these other guys, so he knew them. But he, he, first time he saw Means work out, he, like his jaw dropped because this kid is incredibly fast, has a ridiculous, you know, more than 40-inch vertical leap, um, really big catch radius – and anytime you see a guy with those kind of measurables ranked as, as low as, as means is, there's a story there, and, and there's probably some sort of flaw that needs to be overcome. But I just think if with some of the good coaching they've got on the offensive side of the ball, I think this kid in a couple of years, I, I just he's got the talent to be a really nice player. That's yeah. my pick. Uh, interesting, too, Jeremy Pruitt referred to him as an athlete on signing day. I, I think that that's fascinating because I've seen him – I mean, some people have – called him that before he, he's he's big enough he's interesting he he could even play defense if for some reason receiver didn't work out and he's so athletic that he could do that yeah, yeah. uh I, i'm gonna i don't want to say it's a we said outside the top 
247, right? That's the yeah. rule. So you're taking like the guy right outside that. Uh, right? uh, yeah, pretty much. I'm going to take Roman Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a four star. He's in the top 247, though. He's just not in that. And are we going composite. by the composite or yeah. are we going by nice, the. Nice safe pick there. Yep. Uh, I would have gone there, to be fair, if he had not been ranked. I that figured, high. I thought you would go a different direction. Um, uh, Harrison's 309 in the composite, so that's what I'm going by. Um, but yeah, this guy, if you watch his film, he, uh, as I cr- incorrectly pointed out on the board the other day, I thought he played, for some reason, I thought he played at Clinch County. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who I was thinking of, but John he, Mency? Uh Maybe. But I saw, I thought he played there, and I said, oh, he's in like the smallest class of public school football in Georgia. And I was watching his film, like, well, yeah, he looks like. He looks like the twelfth grader that's playing with the JV squad. <laughs> the, old, the old Daniel. Um, Brooks. He's on a really small <laughs> the team. Old, the old, da- the yes. old Daniel Brooks video and, or something and, like that. And back in the as, day. Uh, I think it was uh, Marietta Vall on the board said, "No, nah, he plays at Bainbridge. They're into like AAA. Yeah. Or, or, so they're it's a better grade than I gave him credit for. But he still looks like the twelfth grader that's playing with the JV squad. And, looks like he's about thirty two years old. And, and he was the biggest guy on their team, so they played him at defensive tackle, and he's just like. Knifing through guys and hopping over offensive linemen to block field goals. I love that about him because he he knows how to shed blocks. That's a huge deal. He's just relentless and just plays with a motor and he's chasing down running backs. And when he gets there, it's bad intentions. Like he's going to, you're going to feel it when he hits you. And Chris Rump said Um, he was so country that he probably (laughs) plays without socks on, which I thought (laughs) was a great rump shaker quote. and, And, you know, not to get all weird, but you know, I think he's you know he already looks like probably in better shape than a lot of Tennessee players were when when this staff got here, physically. Yeah. Um, and Pruitt said in December that uh, let me make sure I get my numbers right here. I don't want to mess this up. That at 245 pounds, I guess this was at this was at Tennessee's camp after they saw him in the spring. That he had a 38 38 inch vertical. Yep. And a four six forty two forty five. That's I believe I Roman s- said thirty nine inch even. But uh, yeah, I don't know it, if that's freakish. Yeah, but that's pretty. I very mean, good. That's, there's a lot of there's a lot to like there, and um, you know maybe he's a guy that turns into one of their better edge rushers. I think that's yeah. where they want him to play. We'll have to see if he you know he could yeah. I guess balloon up maybe a little bit. He has um, such a frame that, that I, you wonder if he gets in a college weight room and an issue nutrition yeah. plan for a couple months if he's not two sixty five within a couple months potentially. Which you can be an edge rusher at two sixty or two sixty five, but yeah, they want. I think Tennessee has wondered if he will eventually get big enough to be a full time defensive lineman. But the plan definitely for the foreseeable future is is edge rusher. And he he looks a little bit Daryl Taylorish, just sort yeah. of the lane you know lanky range frame you know. Taylor in high school is playing wide receiver. His film is fun. Kicks. Like he he he. Uh, it, I'm gonna to go Step Brothers. He walks into f stuff up. Like <laughs> yeah. he's going yeah. in there. He's going in there to party. Yeah, like I mean, he's just knifing through guys and taking on double teams and shedding them. And it's just, I mean, he looks like a man among boys out there. And uh, I think that's what another thing Pruitt said in December was that like when you we were watching practices or watching film or whatever, he was he was just he's all over the field. Yeah. And so that's uh, he he's a guy that, that's. Probably a little raw. Probably gonna need some some you know smoothing around the edges to some of his his game, but uh, really intriguing prospect and a guy I think that, that fits with Tennessee. I always I always appreciate the the walking personal foul penalty. I'm a big fan of those players. <laughs> those guys are my favorites. Who are like like the Daryl Taylors that are like, hey, calm, calm down there, guy. You know, like the sun's going down. Calm down, hey, big guy. And something else the staff seems really big on is is Bain, Bainbridge won the uh, won their state title in Georgia yep. this year. So it seems like. That's something that the staff values is guys that are captains on their team, he, guys that play for winning championship programs. DNA. He led an undersized team from a two and five start yeah. to a state title. Incredible run. And uh, because he blocked a field goal at the end of regulation yeah. when he went like super hulk and flew over the <laughs> flew over the offensive line and blocked it probably with like his chest. Yep. Um uh, I 
these are always tough for me because I convince myself that multiple guys that are three stars are going to be pretty good players in college because we study this too long, and then you see the upside, and, and coaches do too, but then they get to campus and you're like, oh, this guy can't play. And then only half. Uh, that's going to be so disappointing when a coach – like I've always thought that like when a coach gets there and they really watch the first workouts or like first 11 on 11 padded practice, and they like it's got to be so depressing because they spent like two or three years yeah. recruiting some of these guys, and they're like – Damn, he sucks. That's why like, like, that's got to be such like a disappointing when it hits you like like a ton of bricks right in your face that all that time in your career was just completely wasted because he's not good. And that's why as a college coach, you really love kids to camp because when you don't see them right there face to face in front of you, apples to apples comparison with other players, it's just hard until you see them on the same field with other good players. When you see them against terrible competition, I mean, everybody's got film. If you're playing at this level, you've got film of, of yourself just clowning somebody who's not as good as you on the other side of the ball, but you want to see them on a, on a, on a field that allows you to compare them. But uh, anyway, I, I'm torn between two. I'll, I'll go with the one that I just... Of course, Ryan wants to pick the whole class. No, I, yeah. I'll, I'll go with the one I feel strongest about. A, B, about, C, D, E, F, G. That, that I just think is a good football player, Aaron Beasley. Uh, a lot of people I know are, are, are high on this guy as just a football player. G- go watch his His film's fun to watch. He's, he's from Nashville, though, so Pat's going to be no, anti him. He's from Georgia. Wrong. Uh, wait, wait! I was looking at the wrong name. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, nope. South, southwest of Atlanta. But he. Uh, I was looking at the roster and I saw the guy below him alphabetically. <laughs> but he, uh, he is a hard hitting uh, safety, and he's going to start off at safety. The only thing that makes me a little hesitant about him is just not knowing exactly what he's going to do physically long term. He he's, he could grow into a linebacker. He could be a running back, as you alluded to earlier, Patrick. He he's going to start off at safety, but that I'd want him at safety if he can stay there. I think his hitting ability there to be an in the box safety, he could be pretty pretty impressive there but he's just he's just a good football player he's one of those guys that just finds he has a nose for the ball finds his way into the play and and can hit as well as anyone in this class so I like him a lot the other guy I was gonna say who I think just has a lot of upside is Melvin McBride if I was betting on any of those offensive linemen not Pat Pat listen not, not named not named Wanye Morris or Darnell Wright if I'm picking any of those offensive linemen to be really good in this class I'll bet on Melvin McBride ton of upside and and like his athleticism at guard i think it'll translate well yeah and uh, and what do you know from another winning program down there whitehaven that's right or the haven if you will i made my my pick with my head and i'm gonna end with my pick from my heart we don't get to pick two guys i just did to be fair ryan did i'm just gonna say this (laughs) i'm gonna say ryan does I'm, i'm gonna say this i love every single thing about elijah simmons just i'm just gonna throw that out there anytime you know, because you see, like, a lot of times the heights and weights can be a little bit exaggerated. Like, they'll make you look a little bigger, a little taller than you really are. They just throw it all out there in Elijah Simmons' yep. roster ranking. Six foot, 350. I'm interested. Bam, right but there. But he's down to 330 already. Allegedly. 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 But allegedly. this kid. Better get the scale back This out. kid. Like, when we, we do we do on our roster pages, like, they're, they're, it's really neat little graphic. Like, it's the circle, and it's got, like, their head in it. Most guys, the proportions, you get, like, head and, like, some shoulders. And, like, Simmons' face is so wide that it takes up, like, nearly the entire circle, and that's just his face. And he also took, like, pictures with his dog, and he had, like, a big chain on. And I'm like, yes. I just love every... Yes, chain photos. I influence. love every single thing that's happening right now. And I'll be honest with you. I have, in my entire life, spoken to Elijah Simmons zero times. <laughs> but pictures can be worth a thousand words. Yep. And as soon as I saw the picture of Elijah Simmons, and then I looked into it, that he is six foot 350, can dunk a basketball at that size... 
and takes pictures with big chains on. He's got that really like fat face. Although I love everything about this, and I, I'm just right now all American. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Patrick this kid, said, this kid is gonna somehow per, become a star because I I will will it to happen. As Patrick per, per, said though, it's not a dunk. Pruitt point the, the story in December that Pruitt told was that uh, they were talking to Simmons about his weight and they wanted him down at a certain level. Uh, and, and when when Pruitt asked him what his weight was, and Simmons said it was a, a number higher than what the what the staff wanted him to. Yeah, like three four. His response was, "Well, I can still dunk, Coach." Um, and he uh, the day after this, the day after uh, the first day of the signing period is when uh, I think Simmons posted a a video, a short clip of him dunking. Yeah. Um, and I think it's somebody bounced the ball to up to him. And it's kind of more of a tip in. If you're shit dunk, Patrick. But but no, you let me finish my thought. Not my thought. Dunk. My thought is is that, regardless, dunk or not, for him to get up that high at six foot, it is. three forty, three fifty, whatever it is, is mighty impressive. And that is some really, sh- really, some really good explosion. Hey, you, for you, that young man, you don't have to be tall at that position. In fact, sometimes being like six foot, six one, somewhere in that range helps you at that position you're just hard to handle when you, that's so much power well, at he's, that he's, size. he's the one hey, plugger in the middle hey, the lo- he is. And, and you know what in football the low man wins you know he's pretty and athletic guy, for, a, for a big guy too he really I, is. I just i'm telling you if you've not go look at go go to go vols 24 7 the homepage. go down to football recruiting tab <laughs> and click commits and that will show you the list of the signees and i'm telling you his face takes up the entire circle <laughs> it does and i love everything about this kid it's almost like I don't ever want to talk to him because in my head this is like a perfect 10, and I don't want to walk away being like, oh, I'm disappointed Elijah, now. Elijah Simmons is responsible for my favorite stat line for Isn't this he like a season. singer or something too? Like he he's is. Got, like he's got something on YouTube of him singing. Yeah. See, he, I love everything about this kid. Yeah, but he he's responsible for my favorite stat line from this past season. He, you know, We, we have to check in with guys every, each week and, and their coaches to see what they did. And he told me one week that he blocked three extra points or field goals. <laughs> and I said, wait. How did that happen? Did you break through and just you're just mauling these in the backfield or what happened? Is that uh, I did that on a couple of them. One of them was just kind of kicked right at me. So still, though, he blocked three kicks in one game. See, he terrifies kickers to a point <laughs> where they're kicking the ball right into his midsection. And that right there, that's like the. Uh, so, so, Wes, I have a question. He would block. You know what? I said the other day that 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 the Australian rules punter. No, no, I was about to get I was about to ask you who you're if you had to pick one recruit from this class, would it be Simmons or would it be like the 44 year old looking Australian no, punter no, no. that Miami signed who's got arm tats and tats up to his like face. He's got Chris Anderson Birdman tats <laughs> going on. And this guy, if you've never seen him, uh, go to Miami's football commitments for this recruiting cycle, and you will see... Well, no, you need to see the picture that's on Twitter. That's the one that's... Go to the website for any tattoo parlor, and that's pretty much... Or just look up... Or just Twitter search Miami Punter, and you'll see the photo that had everybody... Because he signed last uh, Tuesday night, because... Yeah, Louis Headley or Louis Headley. We need a birth certificate on this guy, because there's no way he's college age. He he came directly... Maybe they age differently in Australia. They use a different system. (laughs) It's like uh, dog years or something. But I'm telling you, this kid looks like... He came directly from the prison yard, and I love everything about that. He is gonna. My favorite part of that thing is that in the uh, clip that Miami put on their Twitter announcing him, he's wearing number ninety four. <laughs> the best this. part of it. No one, no one's ever gonna block this guy's punts because they're gonna be terrified of him. <laughs> and and I, I think as many things as I've said about him, I think Swain said it best on Twitter when Swain said, "Well, this sounds good, but did his parole officer clear this?" <laughs> 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 this guy is walking and hey man i got no problem with tattoos i think it's awesome but like he's like all the way up to chin level like completely i'm telling you chris 
Chris Anderson, Birdman, J.R. Smith level of tattoos. Birdman, here. Birdman. And I just anybody he, watch he, inside also, the NBA? He's six four, two fifteen, and just killing right is a there. punter. No, I know what you're talking about. He is a six four, two fifteen punter already. He played Australian rules football, which is a badass sport, and he's gonna you know. So he's a tough guy. And uh, I'm telling you, like they're gonna run a fake punt, and he's gonna run at people, and they're just gonna run away from him. They're he just he's gonna he's gonna what get if, a touchdown. Unless he runs into Elijah Simmons. Yeah, but 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 happens, that's like the immovable force meets yeah. the unstoppable object. What's gonna happen, Wes? Uh, you know what? The low man wins. I'm gonna go with Elijah Williams. <laughs> if he if he keeps those, if he keeps Simmons if he keeps those I don't even need to know his name. I just know the picture. <laughs> if he keeps his head down and, and keeps his pads at the right level, I'm telling you, man, unstoppable. Unstoppable, Ryan. Before we get out of here, is there anything with this class that we did not discuss that you would like to add? Uh, we didn't talk about Brian Moore, the quarterback, at all. But I guess we did that some in January. Yeah, uh, I, I I like Brian Maurer. I think he'll be a nice uh, addition to the quarterback room. I, I I like his upside. I don't know that he's ready to challenge Garantano for the starting job or anything like that right away. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's eventually Tennessee's starting quarterback I, down the road. I think he's got that kind of potential. I, I bet a lot of Tennessee fans heard that may have heard Pruitt talking uh, on Wednesday night recruiting celebration say that he didn't have a really good offensive line, so he had to move a lot. Tennessee well, fans will be like, hey, he's ready to go. Perfect Let's play next year. <laughs> Plug and play, man. Uh, Plug and play. Uh, and, and perfect preparation. It, you, yeah, you, you kind of watch his film too, and I'm not. I, I'm never going to claim to be like a film savant evaluator. Quarterbacks are but, so hard. But – you know, you see him moving around, improvising. He's got some good mobility. He throws the ball from different platforms. He's good rolling to his left, which a lot of right-handed quarterbacks got aren't. some will to throw McBride in. Um, he can he can put some touch on the ball and he can put some zip on it. Uh, I think he's a little bit like JT Shroud. There's a lot of like physical tools there that are really good, but he's a little rough around the edges. A lot of interceptions for a high school quarterback. So he so he could be out there golfing it up, is what you're saying? Uh, but yeah, but like I mean, they they just for you know. He's going to get so many reps in the spring, and the way that Tennessee practices, I think, is is really good for player development. And that's why I think Tennessee fans are wondering, you know, for some of these guys, can they develop them? They're going to get so many reps of all these guys that are here in the spring that they're going to, you know, they're going to have thousands of reps during those fifteen practices. They're going to get those guys better. So, um, and, and Ryan, I think a lot of people, you know, what's Anthony Harris? What's going on there? Yeah. What's going on with Kenny Solomon? A couple guys uh, that are still. Seem like they might be part of this class in some capacity. It looks like. Yeah, they are. They are part of the class right now. They obviously didn't sign with Tennessee on Wednesday. That was pretty much by design. Uh, now the idea is, if everything goes according to plan, Anthony Harris still has a path to to getting to Tennessee this year. It's not like they're gray shirting him and making him wait till next year or anything like that. He just. Uh, Talk, that, he's ranked two thirty three in the. Top, yeah. Oh, he's a really good player. He was uh, not eligible to be chosen for our. Yeah. So he is. No, he's, he's a four star. I mean, he's he's a good player, but. Uh, he, it's a great situation for Tennessee because he can still be part of Tennessee's class without them having to take the risk of signing a guy who might not qualify. So he still has some work to do academically, and if he takes care of it, he's likely going to be a blue shirt at, at Tennessee, and that's, that's a good situation. And then Kenny Solomon, it looks like, is a blue shirt candidate as well. We'll, we'll see if that's what he ends up being, you know, essentially a preferred walk-on for now, but that's a, that's a, basically all a blue shirt is until he's placed on scholarship. It's a good it, prospect for a but yeah. walk-on spot, basically. Uh, yeah, and a nice addition to the class. We're, we're, I think we're still wrestling with whether he belongs on the commitment list or not because he – you know, because I guess it's still uncertain whether he's going to be a blue. If you shirt. take him off, that's going to make Auburn's a uh, one uh, hundredth point yeah. lead go up. But but for now, I think we'll keep That'll him be on your there. Fault, Ryan. He's a he's a blue shirt candidate, so I think he belongs on there. But regardless, he a, a nice late find, I think, in a in a low risk 
uh, high reward kind of addition uh, you make here at the end. He didn't good have, length for a corner. Yeah, didn't have a ton of big offers. And if you're if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you trust your ability to evaluate defensive backs. There's clearly clearly a lot to work with there. A six foot guy with with good track speed. He says he ran a four four two at a, at a camp at, at Duke last year. So. Uh, has some good speed. I, I, Do I think, we, we need to call cut and verify that. Yeah, there, there's there's some upside there. Cut so be I, like shoot that like a four six five. I I I wouldn't I wouldn't quite put them in the same category because he was built he was much slimmer coming out of high school. But there's some Emmanuel Mosley potential there. I I, I can see some similarities. Yeah, Mosley weighed like one twenty when yeah, he, he showed up. He was one forty five when he enrolled at Tennessee, I think. Uh, but yeah, so not the same situation there, but similar in that they're both good athletes. They're both kind of hidden gem type cornerbacks and we'll see if see if he develops but yeah if you get Emmanuel Mosley out of him you'd be pretty happy with that pickup uh correct me if I'm wrong but Mosley is on a NFL roster right now yes so uh, yeah he's nice. not on AAF roster like Colton Jumper is nice nice late the music cute listen up. listen <laughs> Colton Jumper is just that's, gonna be hey that's for next week's podcast because yeah. <laughs> this is the opening uh, this upcoming weekend is the first of the AAF I'll, I'll say this too I, I'm not saying anything earth shattering here because he's a top 50 player nationally for a reason but if you if you only know Henry Toa Toa for having a hard to pronounce name and a high ranking go check out his film I'll be. I've been wrong on these before. I thought Dylan Bates was going to be a really good linebacker at Tennessee, and that clearly was oh, a bad no. guess. I think everyone did. Yeah, but you went there. I'll be shocked though if Henry Toto is not See, a really we, good we, football player. We're talking player. about Colton Jumper and having a good time, and then you got to bring up Dylan <laughs> Bates, Ryan. But I'm just saying, I, he was a top 100 guy that I thought was was going to be a, uh, a likely hit for you're, Tennessee. You're squatting it, over the punch bowl right now. I'm telling you, that's what it, you're doing. It could. Ha- I'm just pointing out that it can happen. Wet blanket Callahan. You yeah, can't count on. Again. You do this long enough, you realize there are no sure things. But Henry Toa Toa, to me, at, uh, out of all the guys, all the highly ranked guys in this class, I feel pretty confident he's going to be a really good football player and a difference maker for Tennessee pretty early. I I just I love his film. You, you like his his mental makeup. I, I don't think he was ever into the attention at all in recruiting. He he, he and his family just did their thing. I think he's going to be a hard worker, a good teammate, and uh, and and he's got great speed and good size. There's a, a lot to like there. The linebacker situation is going to be fascinating with some yes, of the experienced yes guys is. they've got and the young talent they're bringing in. It's going to be a really interesting clash. Lots of how they're going to figure that out. Jeremy Banks, where does he fit in? Because it sounds like the plan's linebacker, maybe. So yeah, that, Crouch, Peterson, Batuli, yep. Kirkland, Ignat. Somebody's not going to play. Lot of lot of stuff there. Might be some portaling. <laughs> I just had to make portaling in. Those, I'm not saying <laughs> those guys are leaving. You have to use. The, I just wanted to use the word portaling in, yep. in verb Anytime form. Anytime you can use the word portal, that's a good. That's a good time to use it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back later this week. We'll have another podcast. Ramey and I are going to figure this out. He's in West Virginia, coming back from there Wednesday. I'll be on the road Thursday, so we're going to may have to record that maybe Friday morning. Released that Friday afternoon. We're, we're still working on those logistics. But thanks for tuning in this week, this episode. Uh, we will be back again in a couple days. Until then, you can find us always on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. And Turd Ferguson is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can find him there. You can also find our staff at uh, twitter.com slash goballs247. Uh, we're on Facebook huge facebook site we're, we're proud of the work we've done there facebook.com slash go 24 7 you can also go if you want to drink directly from the host you can go to go 247com again you it, it's for cheaper than one mediocre lunch you get a full month's worth of uh, great tennessee basketball football football recruiting basketball recruiting uh, baseball softball uh, women's basketball anything and everything tennessee you get pretty good coverage of that 
comprehensive coverage year-round, and we call it 24-7 for a reason because we are always, always on that website. Pat, any final thoughts? No. 